Good evening, good evening, good evening, and welcome back to the Know Your Role Player podcast. I'm your host, J215Forever. Follow your boy on IG, and on my IG page is my podcast page. That is at Know Your Role Player underscore podcast. The best way that you can listen to this podcast is to download the Anchor app. That's anchor.fm backslash Know Your Role Player. That's K N O W. Y-A-R-O-L-E-P-L-A-Y-E-R. Whether you have Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or many, many more, you will get notifications like the episode you are currently listening to becomes available. All right, all right, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Today is Monday, January 29th. We got a lot to get to. Uh, This is the Monday pod. So this is how we're going to do today's show. I want to go over my picks for the day, who I think is going to win, who do I like. I want to talk about a couple things, and I'm going to get you all out of here. This podcast should be in about 30 minutes, all right? So let's go through the games right now. Um, first game on the schedule is the New York Knicks versus the Charlotte Hornets. Now, Julius Randle is out. Uh, I am going to take the Knicks to win and win big. Um, even with Julius Randle out, Jalen Brunson should have a really great game. I'm expecting other guys to step up like Dante DiVincenzo, uh, OG, uh, Hardenstein. There should be a lot of things going on. I really like this game. Next game, Clippers versus um, Cavs. The Cavs are home. The Cavs are favored in this game. I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with the. What well, the Clippers are favored? I'm gonna go with the Cavs here in a home upset. Um, the return of Evan Mobley is really big. I actually like Jared Allen too, and even though it's not great matchup wise, because I think the wings of the Clippers, um, Cleveland can't match up with. Yeah, I want to pick the Cleveland, but I, I, I'm going to take the Clippers to win. All right, um, New Orleans and Boston. Boston got absolutely smoked Saturday night by the Clippers. I'm expecting them to blow the Pelicans out. The Pelicans are a good team, but they're a weird team. They're very inconsistent, and they just do things I don't get. So we'll see what happens with that. Phoenix and Miami, all right? Um, Miami's favorite in this game. I'm going to go with Miami lost their last game. Miami's home tonight versus Phoenix. I'm going to go with Miami to win a tough one at home. All right. Uh, Lakers and Houston. I'm taking Houston because I don't believe both Anthony Davis and LeBron will play today. All right. So in Saturday's game, and we'll talk about that in a second, the Lakers won a double overtime game over Golden State. I think one of those two guys is sitting. Anthony Davis did injure his groin late in that game, so we'll see what happens. All right. Minnesota and OKC. I got to take OKC on a bounce back, man. Minnesota's been playing well. They did lose a bad – they both lost bad games. Minnesota lost to San Antonio recently, and OKC lost to Detroit on Sunday. So both teams should be looking to hoop. I'm going to go with OKC to win this at home. I think, they, I think they're better at home. If this was a real game, I would pick, take, take them, all right? So I want to talk about the probably most important story to me in the NBA, and that's my boy Joel Embiid, right? So most people would agree or just think to agree that as of right now, he's the MVP. But he's not, He's going to miss his second straight game. He is going to – he's got five games left he can miss. He's going to miss those five games, all right? And he's talked about a lot that the regular season doesn't matter. He's already won the MVP. He does care about it because all these awards do matter, and he, he should care about it. But – I'm a little concerned, and I'll say this. 
Embiid is trying to get through the season. He's got a little bit of a bum knee, nothing a big deal, but sometimes it swells on him. That's not that big of a deal to me. The issue to me is specifically that I don't think the Sixers have a championship competing team. And though we all know that Embiid gets graded on how he'll play in the playoffs, this Sixers team is not good enough to win. Um, and that's the thing. Like, it's like, okay, so if Embiid plays in the playoffs, he dominates, he averages 37-38. The Sixers should do good. But this Sixers team is not good enough to be Boston or Milwaukee as currently constructed. They need to add more pieces. They need rebounding. They need three-point shooting. And they need more ball handling. That's a lot of things to get for an all-star break, right? Now, Daryl Morey, who's celebrating, has a contract extension, has his hands all full because this roster has been winning. But if you know and watch the Sixers, you know they are good, but they're not great. And just getting a healthy Embiid is the biggest thing for the Sixers. I get that. But I need a healthy and be with a championship roster. This roster is about two or three moves away from being championship ready. All right? We're second round exit ready right now. We should lose again in the second round. And the thing is, Embiid is getting graded on a different scale. A lot of people with him says you don't perform the same in the playoffs. I don't argue with those, but I do say that he's performed well in some instances. In some instances, he has not. But the biggest thing is there's been a meniscus, there's been a shoulder, there's been a broken face. There's always been a big injury in these playoffs. He needs to be healthy in the playoffs. But again, to me, these is kind of like um, things that don't go with each other. Even if he is healthy and he dominates, they're not winning the chip because their team isn't good enough to win the chip. They need more. And it's so interesting because... Daryl Morey is, to me, is trying to have flexibility for the summer. I don't think he's going to trade Tobias because he wants to get Tobias' contract off the books and he wants to make moves this summer. But if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are resigning, there's not a ton of guys left unless you think you're going to get Siakam and you could have traded for Siakam, which they obviously didn't. So I'm a little bit stuck in no man's land with the Sixers. Uh, As far as Embiid and missing games, listen, if he's not healthy, he shouldn't play. There was a lot of people talking about the other day, Yo, Embiid's ducking the Jokic smoke. He hasn't played in Denver since 2019. I'm going to disagree with that. Uh, he just played Jokic. He has no... Come on now. Ducking the Jokic smoke. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lazy narrative. You know, but again, I get it. I'm the first person to tell you that he could have been better. All right. Um, a couple of other things I want to talk about real quick. So real quick. Uh, so Ramona Shelburne, an ESPN senior writer, says... Joel Embiid would not play tonight's game versus Portland. It's a second knee injury. Excuse me, it's a knee injury that the team announced. Embiid was not listed on any of the pregame injury reports leading into Saturday's game. According to a, clo- a close source to the situation, Embiid was determined to play in Denver for the first time since 2019, but he was pulled by the game by the team medical staff, actually watching warm up, and he could barely jump as he warmed up. Embiid has now missed 12 games. If he misses five more, he will become ineligible for any postseason awards. So this is my next conversation, right? I was the first person, I am the first person to agree that players should play more. There's no way we have de-emphasized the regular season. But there's been some drawbacks to that. Drawback number one, if Embiid misses, let's say he plays 63 games. He's the best player in the league, and the Sixers have the second-best record. That's not a great look for the NBA to kind of just like, even if he doesn't want MVP, make him non-award eligible, right? That's tough. 60 games is about – 65 games is the cutoff. He's not going to make 65. He's closer to making about 58 or 59, all right? Um, it'll be close, but he's, he's going to miss more than five games, all right? 
Um, he is. He's, he's not going to play some back-to-backs that knee will go up a couple of more times. Hopefully, whatever the issue is with the knee, it can flare down because he's having a phenomenal season. One of the best seasons in NBA history. And it'd be a shame if we looked at this year and say, um, yo, Joel Elvis, 35, 6, and 30, 12. And, you know, he's not first, second team on NBA. Yeah, well, he only played 63 games. He had to play 65. That's not a great look. And so I think the origin of this rule change was to make guys play. But the other part is, and I didn't talk about this. So Zach Lowe, one of my favorite writers on ESPN, had talked about how he had removed himself from the NBA award ballot. Now, Zach Lowe is very qualified to me. He watches a ton of film. He does great deep dives on it. He has one of my favorite podcasts on it outside of my own. But the thing with Zach Lowe is, he said that he didn't want to be the guy to determine whether guys makes max contracts or not. So here's the the thing. There's incentives on contracts. There's incentives on MVP, first team, second team, and third team. And whether you get voted onto these lists gives you a big jump in contracts. And Zach said, I didn't feel comfortable me being the the determining factor on whether a guy makes 35 or more $40 million. I agree with him. But the bigger issue is there's no way we can let these teams get away with this. So what's funny on the teams because they're saying like, yo, if you're this good, we'll pay you because you earned it. But here's the thing. You should be paying this guy anyway. Either you do or do not believe in the person. I understand injury exceptions. But if you don't believe in this person, then you shouldn't be resigning them. And if you don't think they should have this extra 30 or $40 million, well, that's a philosophy and a team structure issue. It's not a put on a, a war battle issue. And it kind of is a total shift of responsibility by the league to kind of with teams kind of not trying to pay guys and saying, hey, man, we were going to give you the money, but uh, – you made third team in NBA, so you're only going to get $20 million because you missed the first team NBA by two votes but giving you $70 million. That's a massive difference in a lot of money, and that's kind of a little bit unfair. And maybe whenever the players' union um, has their next contract, that needs to be talked about because it can't be an award-eligible incentives. Okay, award-eligible incentives are fine, but they can't be this much money, man. Maybe they can be 4 or $6 million. But they can't be twenty-five to forty million. I understand it is pay per performance, but performance is subjective. If I look at Jalen Brown and he doesn't make an All NBA team, but he's had a phenomenal year, well, he just lost because people didn't vote for him. It's not because he didn't play well. But if you say, okay, we got LeBron over him, we got Jimmy Butler over him, we got Paul George over him, we got Kawhi Leonard over him, you know, unfortunately, he's not going to make an All Star team. Yo, then that sucks, man. That really sucks. And I don't know what the NBA does about it because as currently constructed, that's going to be the rules for now, but that is not good. And I think there has to be an issue changed immediately. All right. All right. So the next thing I want to talk about real quick that I didn't get a chance to talk about is the NBA All-Stars. So on this Thursday, and I will do a podcast Friday afternoon, uh, breaking down the reserves, which should be interesting. And Wednesday, I'm going to do my reserves. I'll do my reserves on Wednesday, and then we can uh, follow it up on Friday. So we w- I want to talk about the starters on both sides. First of all, congratulations to all players. Joel Embiid, Giannis, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, and Jason Tatum on the East. And on the Western Conference, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, Kevin Durant, Shea Gillies-Alexander, and Nikolai Jokic. Now, real quick, uh, again, first of all, congrats. It's never to be taken granted to make an all-star team. When you retire, these are the accolades they will talk about. How many all-star games you made, how many all-NBA teams you made, and what was your winning record, and 
All this stuff really matters. So, again, this should not be taken for granted. With that being said, we have some controversy. I love Damian Lillard. I think he's a phenomenal player. There is no way, shape, or form that he, respectfully, should be a starter over Jalen Brunson. So, real quick, Jalen Brunson stands this season. Um, they're crushing Damian Lillard. So, in 35 minutes per game, he's having 26.7, which kind of rounds to 27, but let's leave it at 26 points per game, 3.9 rebounds, and 6.5 assists on some much better shooting splits, all right? Um, let me get the shooting splits out, too. Uh, 48% field goal shooting splits, right? Uh, Three-point shooting splits is 42% and 83% from the field goal line, all right? Now, if I go back and look at Damian Lillard's stats this season, and I'm doing this in live time, y'all, so work with me. Lillard is averaging 25 points per game, 4.3 rebounds, and 6.8 assists on 42% shooting, right? And then we go down to the splits. He's shooting – no, 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 no. Yo, his last 10 games – hold on. So this season he's shooting 34.5. I'll be generous around that. He's shooting 35% from the three-point line. That is not the Damian Lillard we know. Now, he is still shooting great, 92% from the field, um, free throw line. But Jalen Brunson has been much better. His team has had a, well, the team record. He's been the best player on his team, and he's been better than Damian Lillard. So the question is, what was the ultimate decider? Was it a fan vote? Was it the coaches? I know the coaches do the reserves, but did Jamian Lillard, and I say this respectfully because he's a phenomenal player, he has not had a better season than Jalen Brunson. And this is where um, politics of the NBA can get dangerous, right? And on the same side, I thought politics were going to work again, but they didn't because I never thought that Shea would take Stephen Curry's spot as a starter in the All-Star game. Even though the um, first-team All-NBA is a different section, I didn't think he would. Even though I think he deserves to because they have the number one record in the West, and he is the number one reason why, right? And you can also argue that you probably should have two people on the number one team, but that's another story. But I think it's absolutely phenomenal that politics didn't get in the way because Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. Now, he's not having his greatest season, but again, he's still Steph Curry. No arguments about Jokic, LeBron. What he's doing at year 20 is absolutely ridiculous. All right, DeMarcus Cousins' voice. It's really ridiculous. And that's all I got to say about that, though. Now, real quick, Wednesday podcast, I'm going to lead off with my all-star reserves. All right? And then Friday, we'll review them. So, yeah. <clears throat> Last thing I'll talk about on Saturday's game, uh, or last game I want to talk about, was the Lakers and Warriors. The Warriors are cooked, man. As currently constructed, the Warriors are cooked. Now, that is not an impulsive thing by me. I think they've been tr barely hanging on by the last couple of games. They are now 19-24. and 24. They lost a one-point game to the Lakers, 144-145. at Steph Curry did everything he could, wasn't enough. LeBron was just better. He wasn't losing. 36 points, 12 rebounds, excuse me, 20 rebounds, 12 assists, 14 out of 25 shooting, absolutely ridiculous efficiency. Let me give you Steph Curry's numbers real quick. 17 out of 35, 9 out of 21 from the three. My man was getting them up. 46 points, 7 assists, and 3 rebounds. They both played great, but I don't know, man. When I watch the Warriors, it's, it's two things I see. The first thing I see is that they can't get any stops. 
None whatsoever. The second thing you see is I don't know who they're getting in front of. So as currently constructed, they're in the 12th place, right? They have three teams in the West with a worse record than them. We got Memphis, who's missing John Moran and uh, Desmond Bain. We got Portland, who stinks, and San Antonio, who has 10 wins. Golden State is at 19-24, and 24, right? They are five games out of the 10 seed is what you have to get to to play the uh, to you know play the play-in tournament. They're not getting top six to me. So they got to get into the top seven to ten area. Here's the problem. The only way they get to that area, because I, I think Houston's going to be better than them, and unless Utah makes trades and blow up their team, which I don't think they're going to do because there were reports that they say the trading lottery market and they might build around them. If they go that direction, Utah and Houston will stay in front of Golden State, and the Lakers are going to get better because they're going to make some move. Right? So I think Golden State's cooked. Now, when I say cooked is Clay Thompson wants an extension. He ain't getting one. You should probably trade him for somebody that's expiring this season. I don't know where he'll get you on the open market, right? Kaminga needs to start, and I don't know what you do with Andrew, uh, Andrew Wiggins, but I hate to say I told you so. Listen, I was the biggest fan of Wiggins for what you needed, but you got to understand a guy like that is a guy like that. Now, he's playing better, and he has played better recently, but um, I need more from Andrew Wiggins, all right? I just need more because I don't see them getting into this top 10, man, honestly. Uh, again, if we look at the top seven, OKC at number one, Minnesota at number two, the Clippers at number three, Denver at number four, Sacramento at number five, and Phoenix at number six, those teams are locked. Now, they'll fluctuate, but those teams are staying in this top six. Dallas is the only team, once they get healthy, uh, the Pelicans are better and the Lakers are better. And Utah, again, unless Utah makes a move and blows up their team, they're going to stay better than Golden State. So you got to ask yourself, can Utah and Houston both collapse for Golden State to get their 10th spot because they're not getting to the top six? I don't think so, right? Even though Draymond Green is back, we are one injury away from this thing being done, and I don't know the move. To me, the number one thing that the Warriors need is a center, a man that can have a paint presence, block shots, rebound, and do something. Because X can certainly, excuse me, as currently constructed, they are finito. Well done. You know that burger that's been on the grill for too long that you can't even bend? That's the Warriors' defense. Cooked. All right? Respectfully. Woo! All right, y'all. <laughs> Real quick, I want to go over some news and notes, and I'm going to get y'all out of here. I got most of my ranting done. Uh, we'll see. So, Sunday, was that was Saturday, Julius Randle... Had a really scary injury. About the fourth quarter, he was going up for a shot. He falls hard on his shoulder, and he is reported to have a separated shoulder. He's out weeks, not months, so that's good. So, uh, Adrian, Adrian Wojnowski reports that after t after testing continues on New York Knicks forward Julius Randle's dislocated shoulder, there is optimism that his timeline for a return will be measured in weeks and not months. Sources say to ESPN, Randall underwent an MRI on Saturday night, and although the evaluation isn't fully completed, there is hope that he can avoid a surgical procedure and return after missing several weeks, not months, sources said. The NBA All-Star break is in mid-February, creates a 10-day gap for Randall and the Knicks. Um, we'll see about that. If it's a separated shoulder and he doesn't need surgery, that's awesome, but shoulder injuries can linger, so it's very important that he gets healthy even though I know he's going to try to get back as soon as possible. All right. Let's keep it going. Benjamin.
Ben Simmons. Benjamin Simmons. Benjamin Simmons. So Ben Simmons is back. He will play tonight after missing three months with a back. And I'm going to be honest with y'all, I'm happy the brother's healthy. I've never in my life rooted against a player to be injured. I have a love-hate relationship with Ben because I just don't think he's honest about certain parts of his game. But I'm happy he's healthy and the Nets can use him because they've been struggling. All right? And he's playing Utah. He should rebound well versus them. They don't have a lot of uh, paint presence as far as in the glass. I like Ben. Whatever his uh, – I, I like him to have a good game tonight. All right? This is a good matchup. They need him bad. It'll be interesting to see if him and Nick Claxton can share the floor because um, Jacques Vaughn said he doesn't like two bigs that can't shoot. There has to be somebody that can shoot at four positions at all time with only having one big that can't shoot. So we'll see what happens. But, again – Welcome back, Ben. Good luck to you. Honestly, no hate here. Also returning is Cavs forward Evan Mobley after missing six weeks with a knee injury. So this is big. All right, they got one of the sec uh, the three best players. The other one is Darius Garland. He's still out for a while, but this is really big. Um, let's give credit where credit is due. Jared Allen's been playing really well without him. Uh, he needs to play well with them, and we need to see how far – them two can go. Uh, Evan Mobley's had an interesting career because his defense is really special and his offense has been coming along, but I thought there was some stagnation in the second year. Um, obviously, he's just returning back to form, so I don't have expectations with him immediately, but I would really like him to be continue to be aggressive in the second half of the year and moving forward and see what that gets us. All right? Uh, he'll be limited to about 22 minutes, so he's not going to play a ton of minutes, but it's good to have him back out there. Welcome back, my man, Evan Mobley. All right. D'Angelo Russell is my last. Okay, one more, two more things. I talked about Embiid. Halliburton will be coming back versus the Celtics. That I think will be on Wednesday. All right, so welcome back, Halliburton. Hopefully he is healthy. So I want to talk about Halliburton real quick. Remember when we talked about NBA politics? He is another one of those guys that has these contract incentives where he can make a lot more money. And there was people in Indiana saying they didn't like how he looked when he came back and he rushed back, right? So that injury was an injury that could take a long time or not a long time. Uh, the hamstring did not snap, but it was stretched and pulled. So you have to ask yourself the question, hopefully he's healthy 100% because I don't blame him for rushing himself if he is rushing himself back. But to me, you know, this is more of the dangers of, yo, I'm trying to make this money. I got to be out there for my teammates. But you're not healthy. That's a dangerous game. And again, I'm not speculating what he is or he isn't. I'm just saying that this is another issue presented about these incentive contracts that could be very dangerous on both parties, right? Last but not least, this is my last topic, and I'm getting out of here. D'Angelo Russell, all right? I got to give credit where credit is due. He's been absolutely hooping, hooping. Um, I got some stats here for y'all for a second. So they play the Lakers tonight. Uh, Russell's been playing well, man. It's kind of interesting. I feel like that when he... How do I say this? He's a talented player, and I feel like the Lakers could use a lot of things he does, but what he struggles at, and I'm going to continue to say this, it is decision-making, defense, and shot selection. Right now you're getting the best version with a version of him because he's playing on fire. He's playing like they're about to trade him, and he don't want to get kicked out of L.A. again, right? So in his last 10 games, he's had 29, 28, 27, 24, 20. 29, 14, and 39. He has been very consistent and very aggressive his last four games. And I look for him to continue to do that tonight, all right? Um, 
Yeah, I just think he's been playing well. I don't know who the Lakers are going to get. DeJounte Murray isn't big enough of an upgrade to change to, right? Um, Shooting could be much more premium than than point guard play because I don't think there's a point guard out there that can really change the dynamic of your team. So we'll see if the Lakers make a move, but they could definitely use some uh, shooting. Gabe Vincent has been a tough story. He's had another bum knee. There's some bad luck with the Lakers and signing former Miami Heat guards that just hit knee injuries and don't play again. So we'll see what happens, all right? All right. And that'll about wrap everything up. I think I got just under about 25 minutes, so yay me. All right, guys, please like, share, and subscribe real quick for the schedule for Wednesday. We're going to talk about a couple of things. One, we're going to talk about um, the All-Star Reserves. I'm going to talk about things that we've seen from here. We'll take it from there. Please like, share, and subscribe. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Y'all be good. Peace.